Hi everyone, I'm Amira and this is The Unmute Files, a platform where we unmute our body journeys and build support and space for our different experiences. On every episode, I get to speak and hear from an amazing, inspiring person from South Asia as they unmute their body journey. We cover everything from size to trauma to food, consent and even politics. Just anything on our journey towards body acceptance and freedom. Today's guest is Janvi. Um, she currently works in the education space and has a degree in psych. Uh, she's interested in issues surrounding women, mental health and queer identities, specifically in India. Uh, she also has an Instagram page uh, that kind of documents her reading. Uh, she's one of those people I constantly go to for book recommendations. And the page is called Bookin' Around. Uh, I'll tag it below so everyone else can check it out. Uh, we'll be hearing from her a lot on her experience studying in an all-girls boarding school. Hi, Janvi. Hi, Amira. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so I was thinking maybe we could like jump right in. Um, and you could kind of start with that experience of kind of growing up in an all-girls boarding school and how that kind of had a huge influence on your relationship with your body. So this is something that um, I've actually spent a fair bit of time thinking about. Um, school, I think, is the place where I became hyper aware of my body. Um, this was especially because I was surrounded by only female bodies. I mean, before this, while I mean, and I went to school at a very young age when I was 11. Before that, I was in a co-ed school, which was a day school. And um, being in um, an all-girls residential school exposed me to um, occupying space with and sharing space with other people and consequently their bodies in a way that I had never had to think about before. Um, when I was growing up, I really didn't have any exposure to different kinds of bodies. My understanding of um, them was limited to... Um, the very problematic gender binary that we understand now and that was of course influenced by um, societal notions of beauty and what um, is seen as an acceptable body and what is not which in yeah. hindsight uh, yeah seems like a lot for somebody who's only 11 to be honest I don't think we understood I think we're still trying to understand these structures but at that stage it was just really overwhelming um and I think that everybody around me uh, was so influenced by and of course me myself by the media that we consumed and everybody was sort of trying to aspire to fit into this very white heteronormative idea of beauty um, and by extension I think I convinced myself that that's what was desirable and so um, that's who I also wanted to be. So um, I think I went from a space where I was very nonchalant about my body and probably even dismissive to um, being somebody who had to think about it in different ways. And I think that the first time I did have to um, think about it was still I was in a relationship in school. Um, I identify as bisexual. And at that time, I was dating um, a girl who was in school with me. And I think I became very aware of the fact that there was somebody else that was viewing my body um, other than myself in a way that um, I had not shared with anybody. So, before. Yeah, 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 before, yeah. We went to the same school. It wasn't a queer-friendly space at all. So how did that affect you and your relationship? So for one, this relationship was entirely a secret. There was no way that it could have survived otherwise. Um, I later realized that it was sort of an open secret because um, everyone had their own ideas about what we were doing and never really hesitated to shame or mock us. Uh, and it was the kind of relationship where you kind of knew that everybody was pointing fingers and talking about you. 
um so she was two years my junior and everybody's reactions were very hypocritical to that and it's a boarding school and friendships between seniors and juniors is common i mean i don't know why it wouldn't yeah. be it's a school um it's a residential one you you're bound to i mean find friends within that community um and there are all of these um you know quote unquote iconic friendships that people talk about once seniors graduate as well uh, there are always these friendships that are remembered and discussed and it's only in retrospect that i realized that um in many cases it was actually a euphemism for a queer relationship or um you know a relationship that i mean although the saying it's a euphemism sounds more like a slur or an abuse to me now but um you know people who would talk about these certain pairs of friends in this very uh, you know giggly very shady manner it was because they were trying to insinuate that there was probably something else going on um yeah. people generally didn't seem to have anything to notice about other batch um, you know inter batch friendships but ours was somehow one that no one could get enough of uh, this was the case with peers this was the case with teachers the principal and ultimately our parents who uh, they complained to so um wow. yeah so that was um, i mean there was a lot there was there was no privacy there was a lot of um, you know boundaries that were judgment yeah absolutely and there was just no sense of you know um i mean there, there was really no space to be yourself everything was just dictated for you by somebody else and that somebody else happened to believe that who you were shouldn't you know didn't really have a right to exist or be expressed so they absolutely exposed us to our parents um it was horrible so for one it was extremely hypocritical because um all we were told by um you know wardens and house mistresses and things like that were that um this is an unnatural friendship and you know it's not natural for seniors and juniors to spend so much time together nobody would call it what it was so it was constantly a friendship being shamed to which one would ask i mean it's yeah. a friendship and i mean you don't seem to be pointing out this problem to other friendships and they would just say no it's not the nature of it isn't correct uh, um y'all uh, you know you're you're very affectionate with each other the word they would use is that you're too touchy um and things like that this is also was a huge source of gossip i mean teachers would talk about it to other teachers i mean if this is something that um i mean if we only had the time to hang out post dinner at night when most of the teachers that teach during the day were not around but they all knew about it then you knew it's because somebody had told them uh there's no way yeah. that they had you know viewed us hanging out on their own and you know formed their own opinions um and also there was i mean we were threatened on multiple occasions and told that if we didn't end this we would be reported and there was um, even an instance when we were taken to the principal and told that you know if we at this point we were i was in grade 12 and she was in grade 10 and we were told um, um i mean point blank that you know if um, i mean of course the excuse was our board exams um mm. but we were told that um you know if you if you don't sort your act out you know we're going to call your parents and um she uh, happened to live in berdoon my parents were in dubai and her parents were actually called into school and um i went home the next day it was the summer vacation and um i remember my parents calling me and uh, i mean asking me to sit down and, and and i mean i had no idea what i was about to hear and um i was told that um, my the school had sent compromising photographs of me to my parents it was absolutely absurd and i could not even believe it was true because i couldn't even believe that somebody would have taken them i think i yeah. wanted to convince myself that it wasn't real 
and um the other thing was i thought that maybe this is something they're saying to like frighten parents or maybe my parents are saying this to frighten me but on so many levels it was it was just so fucked up that i i mean i i just you know i i could never i don't know i just don't think i could trust any authority figure whether they were my parents or my um you know teachers um ever again really um so my realization of being queer was not what i expected it to be to me it just felt mm-hmm. right and i just went with it um in hindsight i realized i was initially pretty kind to myself something that uh, i think faded pretty soon after uh but that was questioned by every single relevant and irrelevant entity that was a part of my life uh and that's what made me super conscious of the fact of that i was doing something or because even seeing it like this um makes me realize how much um of the shame i might have internalized because i convinced myself that what i was doing needed to be hidden from the public eye and um that you know it wasn't acceptable for other people to know um yeah, yeah i was and and that's a that's a lot of shame at a really young age right like it doesn't leave you i think even with conversations i've had with other people i think shame uh is one of those things that's so 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 internalized and so hard to kind of let go of yeah absolutely i feel like you know it's a burden that um i constantly carry and shame is one of those um, things that you know it doesn't you might have um you might have other negative emotions that you might be able to categorize in some situations but shame kind of just i mean it really yeah. consumes you um I think that I was forced to examine my relationship as something that was atypical and realize that nobody um around me or maybe because they didn't have you know an outlet or you know they felt equally repressed was like me so I had this very constant looming fear that um you know um there was obviously something that was very different about me um and this was a very intense relationship it was something that was kept a secret which obviously contributed to it um it ended two and a half years later and you know she she slept with a boy and i later found out that it had been multiple men during that period and she went on to convince herself that this never happened uh, she outright mm. denied it to any third party and you know it was it, it ended it was quite abusive and extremely homophobic at that point and so um i think that it there, there was so much that was linked to uh because i'd started out with me just questioning my body and what i was and then it just like delegitimized something that was the only time i felt like something made sense to so, me yeah that can be so hard having your first significant romantic relationship being dismissed and not acknowledged there's a lot of trauma and hurt there yeah absolutely um, um i think that it has um it's something that i think i continue i struggle with still i mean i've been to therapy for years i think i still try to battle it uh consequently given the fact that i'm queer i've also been in other you know situations or equations where you know um keeping somebody's identity a secret has been um you know something that uh, we've decided to do and of course i understand that you know sexuality is something that is difficult to want to let out into the open but you know there's been a pattern of sorts and it's just been really difficult because that um, there's very little way whether that's the case or not to not associate it with being somebody ashamed of of literally who you are yeah yeah so how did this kind of like affect your life after school you know your adult life and your relationships and work and just your sense of being 
So, um, I mean, um, when I, I finished school and, you know, after this relationship ended, I had a couple of months, you know, in between school and before college starts where um, I was, I was definitely depressed. I had had um, um, a, a little episode in school a few years ago where my parents had taken me back home and I'd seen a child psychologist and I had been diagnosed with um, depression and potential anxiety disorder at that point. So um, that summer itself was, I mean, it was very difficult. I didn't really have the vocabulary vocabulary for it. But at that point, there was a lot of like suicidal ideation. I was extremely isolated because I lived, um, I was back in my parents' home, uh, a place where I didn't really have any friends because I didn't go to school there. So, I mean, it was very challenging. Um, and then I moved on to college, which was um, a largely much more accepting and um, very tolerant and uh, extremely queer friendly space which um, I think really did wonders for me it's the first time um, in college a month in that I actually that somebody asked me a question about uh, a relationship or something like that and I answered it uh, you know point blank Uh, I don't think I had ever done that before and it's not like I planned to do it it just happened in the moment and it felt so um, I don't know it just it just felt fine the person I was talking to just went on as if there was you know there was literally nothing different about anything I had said so um, college definitely helped uh, me come into my own a lot. But uh, yeah. I still, this was more in terms of my own expression of my sexuality. But uh, I still, there was a lot of um, internalized insecurities that had bred from uh, my experience in school, which of course intersected with this relationship and how people around me had treated me. So, um, I mean, this at that point, you know, things were... It, it really felt like things it, it just it, it just felt like everything horrible came together at one time yeah it started to get a bit better and 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 I mean slowly slowly but um with a lot of help from people a support system friends um some you know cousins uh and of course professional help Taking medication really, really took a toll on my body initially. I will, I will not um, take away from the fact that it has helped me hugely, but it took a really long time for me to even settle on a med that worked for me. Um, you know, I went through cycles. Um, I mean, as um, one who might have been to a psychiatrist is familiar with, they tell you that the medication takes a while. It usually starts with side effects before you actually start to see any kind of. Um, improvement so I just felt like I was constant because I was constantly being uh, my doses were being changed and I was having to experiment with new drugs I felt like I was constantly stuck in the phase where your body is acclimatizing and you're and you're feeling sick but you're not getting better and that was absolutely exhausting I mean um, after a while that stabilized but um, even now on some days it feels like um, my mind is working and my body is not complying and the other way around um, it's been it's it's difficult. It's been hard to um, push myself to do things that seem like they should come easily. Um, and I don't even mean this in terms of what should come easily to people. Things that used to come easily to me, um, which yeah. you know I find myself struggling with things that I would love to do and look forward to do. It, it's just been hard to keep myself um, motivated, and and there's been a lot of distancing and disos- disassociating with my own body in the process. I think there are times when I feel like um, I want to do certain things, and because I'm unable to do it, I feel like I'm unable to recognize my own body. Um, there are days mm-hmm. when I know that um, 
and you know a big part of this for me has been exercise people always talk about how exercise is has always helped them with their mental health but for me it was a huge struggle i i mentally know i want to exercise i am just physically unable to do it it has been yeah. so long since i have been able to you know put in the relevant amount of physical activity i want in the hope for the output that i want to get i mean on some days once in a while you know it's been it's been two years since i actually stopped actively going to the gym something that i used to like to do and one day it just stopped it's not that i didn't want to go anymore it just didn't happen yeah no i think that is uh, one of those things that i hate when people when you're telling them you're struggling with this and and their answer is like go exercise and when you go like you know i just like i'm not able to they're like no you have to hold yourself accountable and and i think what people don't realize is it's the problem is not accountability the problem is that's a part of when your mental health is waning and you're struggling with it like just being able to do tasks that you enjoyed and even mundane things uh that you would do every day like yeah, brushing like teeth having a bath yeah yeah exactly. it just be- becomes so hard um yeah so i completely get that as negatively as it might sound but sometimes it feels like people find it really easy to leave you with tidbits of advice because um you know they think that they've they they've done you a favor of sorts but it's it's impossible to explain to people and i i really have tried that's why i believe it's impossible that um you know you can't just get up and function as if there's nothing wrong with you and the way that they they talk about it or the tone that you take when you just say you know why don't you just get up and go for a run i feel like it really um invisibilizes mental health which is a problem absolutely everything you just said uh i just wanted to move on to where you are currently and how you've dealt with some of the shame and trauma so there've been a couple of things that have contributed to i think how i've tried to um live with um any kind of shame i might have internalized and how these experiences have affected the way that i am in relationships and how i generally feel about myself um the first one has definitely been um looking after my mental health um i've spoken about it before it was quite a struggle and it's taken a long time for it to sort of equalize um there are still some great periods and some really not so great periods um so i think that focusing on my mental health and taking signs from my mind and body seriously has um been something that has served me well um i think that there are a couple of these things that might also be linked to school uh which is actually when i started to associate trauma with school and activities that i did in school um i started to find traumatic because of the associations i had built so i had i was required to take a few steps back i think for myself uh one of the biggest ones was um reading had always been a constant companion for me in school it always helped me escape and um at times it really helped me um center myself but i think because it was such an activity that was closely linked with my experience of school given the way school was and we were cut off from um you know the internet and the outside world to an extent where reading was really one of the only things we could do but post school i found it really hard to be able to read other than what i was required of me in college but of late in the last year and a half i started reading a lot again and it's um it's been really really great it's been really helpful i find it extremely um helpful to be able to read about experiences that i think i might be having and of course experiences of other people 
who might have experienced the same thing but in different ways. I think it's really helped me become comfortable with my queerness and understand um, the spectrum of queerness because it's really not limited to my experience, which is definitely not universal for everybody. I think I've also started to um, understand the intersection between queerness and so many other things. And uh, reading has definitely helped me um, make that understanding slightly more concrete. Um, I think the last step is um, something that was really very important to me and took um, quite a bit of courage. Um, given my experience in school, I distanced myself from most of my friends post-school and didn't actually keep in touch with anyone through uh, the four years of my undergrad. Given the way my peers and other people sort of reacted to my relationship in school, even the people that were close to me, um, I would say that it was fair to feel like while I had um, friends who were free to hang out and stuff, there wasn't really anybody I could confide in for the last two years of school. Uh, but in um, since we've graduated and people have sort of moved back home and moved into the city that I live in and we've started to meet and spend more time together and things have um, definitely healed to some extent, I think that it really helped me to actually um, speak to people about it. Um, I was able to confront some of the people I knew, some took it well and some didn't. Um, it, it definitely let me feel like I was reclaiming some of the power that I felt like I had lost many years ago. And while it wasn't about that, it definitely, I think, helped me feel a little bit liberated. From some people I received apologies, some people just continued to deny it. Um, but I think it really made me, of course, similar to what we were talking about, um, focus on why schools need to become more inclusive places for students and not just, um, I mean, for all students, but of course, I think definitely more so queer, for queer students and in my experience, definitely in um, a same-sex residential university. Um, and I really hope that, you know, some steps can be taken or even small steps to ensure that people have better experiences of being able to identify what it is they want to be without having to deal with everybody else's um, conceptions of judgments of them. See you all next week. Follow us on Instagram at The Unmute Files. DM us with any questions or if you'd like to be on the podcast. Until then, keep unmuting.